G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. The 2020 Summer Series on Vision Christian Radio. Yvonne, wonderful to have a conversation like this, and it takes on a whole lot of different dimensions to what we normally talk about when we talk about faith. We want to share our faith with other people, and we want to pass on our values to our own family, and we think that somehow or other that's like a mechanical thing, but there's some deeper dimensions to all of that, and you've tried to capture some of those dimensions in your book, Across in Time. Yes, I wanted to do that. I remember something that was really significant for me was um, at my children's school. It was a Christian school in Sydney, and um, they had um, a tradition day where they had to dress up as the different influences they'd had in the past. And um, we're all there dressed up as where we'd all come from. And um, the headmistress said, all of you have come from different countries, from different backgrounds, but somewhere along the line, somebody prayed for you, and that's why you're here. And I remember that really struck me because um, I knew that my great-grandfather was um, a very strong Christian and um, that he had been alive when I was born. And uh, I knew that he would have prayed for me. And it just sort of really struck a chord with me, that concept of the generational influence. And when we talk about generations, we're talking here about a big picture, And this is where you love to get into these sorts of issues uh, because the decisions that we make today, the sorts of values that we are passing on to our children, these form the big picture of our lives and connecting that with God's eternal picture. Uh, How do you like to think of big picture things? I love the fact that I suppose having lived for a lot of generations now myself, um, I'm 70 now, um, I've come to see how God works over a long period of time often and at first we're wanting him to work quickly and gradually we learn that he has a timing and I've gradually come to really trust his timing and realise that he actually not only works over a whole lifetime but over generations and generations and when he's, when he's bringing about um, a particular person who's going to change the world, that has been created over generations to bring that person to be, even if we think of someone like Billy Graham, who was such a, a gift to the world, that didn't just come overnight. That would have been generations of people and generations of prayer that brought about that person. Interesting to say, as you get a little older, that you recognise these things are important. I wonder how valuable it might be if you had an appreciation of just how important all those decisions were when you were young. And I imagine that when you say, well, you you know, open with your age, you're 70, and I might say you don't look a year over 50. That's my compliment to you. Thank you. Uh, but, <laughs> but when we talk about what we might appreciate as a young person, capturing some of these values that you're sharing in your book, be very, very valuable to understand those things from a younger age rather than wait until you get to your older years and recognise how important these things are. Well, I've really noticed with um, my children, um, I, I wouldn't think that I've done everything right, but one of the things that I feel I do have done right is that they are all strong Christians. Um, and they all seem to do have a concept of that, that, um, that God is huge and, 
and God's purposes are, are, are massive. I, I don't think that I fully understood that when I first started walking with the Lord when I was about 20. Um, but I've noticed that they do have that, um, that way of thinking. So that's something positive. Let me mention one of your favorite movie quotes uh, from Gladiator. What we do in life echoes in eternity. Yes. Uh, give us a little bit of insight into why that is one of your favorites. Well, the power of prayer is is just immeasurable. And, um, you know, the Bible says whatever we bind here on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever we loose here on earth is loosed in heaven. And so we do have incredible power. I think we we underestimate our authority we underestimate what happens when we start to pray in the heavens and um, with the angelic realm. And I really wanted to go there because I really wanted to sort of get to, to broaden people's concept of how powerful um, their prayers are and, and what incredible authority we have in the name of Jesus Christ. Okay. When we talk about Christian books, sometimes we're uh, in this idea that it's non-fiction ones, ones that are uh, expounding on the Bible and uh, on concepts of faith and those sorts of things. And, uh, and there are people who have done very high levels of study who've done wonderful works. But when we come to a fiction book, we don't always appreciate just how powerful that can be. Now, I suspect you've captured something uh, of the importance of what it is to write fiction because the book that you've written, Across in Time, is based on your own account, your own family experience. So if we're going to understand just how powerful it is to recognize concepts that you're conveying in your book, take us back to some of your family experiences uh, raised in the home that you were raised in, how the values were passed on to you and how you, you know, you understand those things work. Uh, take us back to some early years. Mm. Um, so I was a baby boomer and um, I think a very big difference between that time and, and now is um, we were very aware of the big picture. Like I was aware that my father was in the Second World War, my grandfather the First World War, um, the Great Depression that they all went through and the effect that had on our parents, how our fathers and grandfathers struggled with the impact of the war. And so I was very aware of past sacrifices, and sacrifice was a huge thing when I was growing up. It was a huge thing to sacrifice for the greater good. You know, my mother just faithfully did her duty, and my father went out every day and did his duty at work, and, um, we, were, and we were taught duty, and that, we'd, and, and that the goodies had won, the baddies had lost, and the churches were full um, because people had a concept of a creator, a God, after having gone through a war and feeling that God um, was on our side. America was the new free country. So there was a big picture also, a concept of moving forward and building a new great free world, you know, after the war. And so um, my concept growing up was um, your faithfulness, loyalty, duty, um, going to church every Sunday, even though my father didn't go to church, my mother did. And um, a bit, very big thing with my parents was that um, my father being a, a Catholic and um, from a broken home in an inner city suburb in Sydney, um, a labour guy, he was a trade union boss. And my mother was Protestant, Presbyterian. She was from a farm in, in Queensland and, um, you know, very um, conservative and she was country party. And, um, and yet they... There was no big fights about religion or politics, and I didn't grow up with hatred. And you know, they were able; we were able to discuss things without it being 
a lot of anger. And as a result, I mean, I, I became a Christian and quite right-wing. My sister became an atheist and she's quite left-wing out of the same family. But And we talk quite naturally to each other. And so I get quite a shock when I see all the hatred that's between parties and religions and stuff because I didn't grow up with any of that. So when you grow up in a family that is so diverse, as you describe your father, and uh, like an almost an opposite to your mother, and there's probably all sorts of good relational things we can talk about in all of that, and then your sister and yourself and uh, all these differences, how do all these differences come from the same set of values? Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you reflect on that sort of thing? Yes, I'd say because um, we were free, we weren't told that we had to go one way or the other. We were free. Like my sister, I remember when she was, let's say, about 11, she said, I don't want to go to church anymore. And so they said, well, okay, you don't have to go to church. And for some reason that I don't really understand, I always wanted to go. And I had an interest in the Bible study and it spoke to me. And um, I went along that different path. And I was very open to do that. And And I remember when I became a Christian at 20, I very much remember this I was very zealous, you know, new Christian, and I was wanting to get my father saved, and I was praying for him and everything. And I was having this talk to him, and um, and and he said, "Look, Yvonne," he said, "I'm. I think it's a wonderful thing that you're a Christian. I really do. And um, I promise you, I will never do anything to undermine your faith." And I said, "Well, Dad, nothing can undermine my faith." You know, I was very <laughs> adamant. He said, "Yes, I know that, but I promise you, I never, I never will do that." So that that sort of was huge. And he did eventually come to the Lord at 83, (laughs) two months before he died. But um, that's the sort of attitude that enabled us both to make our own decisions and choices where we wanted to go. A biblical perspective of life, culture and current events. The 2020 Summer Series on Vision. Well, I found that, I'll call it CBT so we don't have to go through the big name all the time. (laughs) It is a tongue twister. I found through... um, that CBT flowed very well with my Christian beliefs because the the concept that we're we're transformed by the renewing of our minds, and um, it's talking about the effect that um, the beliefs that we come to as a result of the things we've experienced um, influence our behaviour. Everybody is unique, and you could have two people with the same situation will respond completely differently to that situation and come to different beliefs as a result of it. And the belief that we come to at the time um, will will influence our behaviour. Um, so really, CBT is, is really about unwrapping to find out what the beliefs are that the person has has come to, so that um, we can t- we can see about changing those beliefs and therefore changing the behaviour. So when we believe in God, this is the simplest uh, thing to talk about, isn't it? Someone who believes in God, and you know, we can deepen that a little bit by saying is a follower of Christ and their values being formed according to that belief. To the person who says, I don't believe in God, who might be sort of in this realm of being the atheist, their life, their values, their behavior is completely different when the values are formed from these different ideas about whether you believe in God or whether you don't. Well, see, you can have two people that believe in God, but they have they have a very different concept of it and very different very different belief um, structure. They might believe in God, but let's say they've had um, a very um, strict religious father who was very conditional in his love. 
they might see God as being the same. And so they might actually be, spend their lives trying to please God, thinking that God and, and don't have, have a concept of grace. And, but you might have a, yeah, to be honest, you might have a non-Christian who is very gracious and understand, is very gracious to people. So really, I don't see it as black and white as that, Neil. I see it that, that, um, each of us individually, I've, I've had to go through a, a journey of, um, thinking how, um, I've had to sort of really, um, stop, get out of being a perfectionist and thinking that if I don't do everything perfectly, God might be angry with me or, you know, he might sort of withdraw from me. And learning how that he just doesn't do that, and then his grace and his mercy. So that's just an individual walk I had to go on. And um, I don't know if I'm answering your question, Neil. But uh, no, look, I can't, I can't see it as black and white as that because I see Christ, I can see Christians who are very um, uh, full of hate and and um, judgment, and I see non-Christians that aren't. So, so our parenting style is very important, and yeah. this might come down to, while we're a believer and a follower of Christ, how we appreciate his grace towards us that flows through to our grace towards our children and what our children will think about the grace of God because of the way we behave, whether that's an authentic a follower of Christ type gracious behavior or whether it is a hardline, uh, really uh, tough minded uh, parenting, which, uh, you know, has a certain level of, you know, when people talk about uh, judgment. judgment or even this idea of being a perfectionist, uh, these things can flow through and affect the way that our children think about God. And also the people that we're praying for, God is in the process of drawing them to himself. And so they're, they're all going through a process, even if they don't know it. One of the things I really liked when I was writing the book, because I was um, talking about Satan and demons and angels and God, I already had my baddies and my goodies, if you know what I mean. You need baddies in a book and goodies. And um, God said to me, I want you to, to just love all of the characters. There's no bad character. There's no good character. They're just all people. And um, just, just love them. And so I really enjoyed that. I just really did love all of the characters. And I didn't sort of write about one that was the baddie that was going to hurt everybody um, because the evil influences were coming from the eternal um, dimension. And just loved all the people who were all in the process of understanding and, and, and living their lives and just trying to figure out what life's about and where they've come from and how the prayers were being answered on behalf of those people and how it was working out eternally. Let's talk about goodies and baddies in our own family because it's all very well to talk about goodies and baddies, angels and demons and uh, the people who might be involved. Uh, if we reflect on our own uh, heritage from our grandparents and our parents, we might be able to identify that there might be goodies and baddies in our grandparents and our parents uh, that influenced us to think and feel and behave the way we do. And what about then what happens with our own children and our grandchildren? Because somehow or other we have to come to grips with who we are in the context of our family and what we are in our faith so that the values that we are passing on might be the right values. How do you reflect on the goodies and baddies in our own family and whether we might actually be the goody or baddie ourselves? I think everybody tends to sort of come from the perspective to start with, well, I'm the victim here that that person was wrong and I was, I was right. And then as, as you grow, go through the years, you realize, oh, gee, maybe I was pretty hard to get on actually back then. Like, I don't want to have a video replay of myself in my twenties. I'd probably be horrified. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, 
we're not supposed to be judgment judgmental. You know, the Bible says, um, judge not so that you won't be judged yourself and show mercy, otherwise you won't be shown mercy. And I think that's that's a pretty serious um, couple of verses there. And um, just learning to be less judgmental and, and realize that people are doing were doing the best they could in the situation they found themselves in. And I'm um, looking to God to help me overcome the, the, the results of people's actions in the past. You know, I can't change them. The only thing I can change is me. The only thing I can do is say, well, look, I can't do anything about what those people did. I can get angry and I can get bitter and everything and unforgiving, and that's just going to change one thing. But I can, I can set about changing myself. A comment from a listener who was on Facebook for you, uh, Yvonne. Uh, it's from Mike, who says, Yvonne, my wife's grandmother escaped a World War II Soviet farm in Kazakhstan, and so later her daughter, my wife Mary, and now our daughter Isabel were all born against all odds. God's eternal plan, we all follow Jesus. What sort of connection can you bring for the sorts of things we're talking about to uh, to that comment from Mike? Yes, I just I do believe that there is an all over um, power uh, that God is totally powerful and that he's that he's always working. Remember my great my Scottish great grandfather said, "The wheels of God grind slow but sure," and they are. And I think um, past generations have had more of a concept of this of, of things were happening over a long period of time. You know, the great churches that were built in the past might have taken several generations to be built, and now we're expecting things to be built in in sort of a couple of months or whatever. Um, but God is working always over thousands of years and he has the big picture always in mind but at the same time he's totally aware of every little tiny detail of our lives which I think is amazing A biblical perspective of life, culture and current events The 2020 Summer Series on Vision I think that um, it's probably very hard to be encouraged today but when um, our parent, my parents and grandparents um, were very optimistic. They, they sort of they had they had a very simple faith. Um, we're part of the British Empire, and we're fighting for the the good cause, fighting for freedom. And it was very clear cut, and it's become much less clear cut. And there are so many alternative viewpoints, and um, there's so much to be to discourage people at the moment. Um, whereas there was a lot to be optimistic about and hopeful about um, when I was growing up. You talk about the idea of having a collective faith. It's like a collective faith that your parents were a part of or a collective values shaping that came from those war experiences and the Depression. But these days, because we don't have uh, the big threats, or at least some people's, there are actually big threats going on, but uh, but because we haven't been through all of the hard times that our parents and grandparents went through, that somehow or other it's all very individualistic. How do you describe that way that, you know, that we, we tend to approach things differently because we're not of our same of our parents' ilk? Getting back to when I was growing up, think the, the, the society was basically run on Christian foundations. There was censorship. I mean, the only way you could get pornography was to be able to go to King's Cross somewhere and say, Joe, Joe sent me, you know, and find it somewhere. And um, so it, it was very much run on Christian principles, even those that weren't Christians. So all of our, our friends 
they they didn't live together before they got married, for example, and they've all stayed together. They're still married, even though they're not Christian. They're, they've just followed what they were brought up to, and that's worked for them very well. And if, but, but they're very confused as to why their children don't believe the same thing, because I think there was sort of this thought that automatically you grow up believing that. They didn't have an understanding that you've you've been taught to believe that. You've been actually raised on that and that is that is how the what the belief system you've formed as a result of growing up in the society so that's been now undermined and now there's a whole lot of variety of faiths and a whole lot of variety of viewpoints and and you can just choose whichever one you want and so there's there's myriad pathways for people to walk down and um, there's good things about that that it, that it was that it needed to be opened up more and, and there needed to be less judgments and there needed to be more acceptance of people who were different and um, so there are good things that have come out of that, but I think now people are, can can be a bit lost and don't really and and they're just sort of wandering around thinking I don't really know where this is going. And how significant is it uh, to be a part of a local church and to be exposed to those eternal issues from God, uh, to how they relate to our day to day life, the way we raise our families? How important is it to be locked into? a pattern which actually helps to influence the way that our values and our behaviours are shaped. If everything is so individualistic and people choose to do what they want to do, how much more important is it to think about how, and I imagine that when we talk about church, it's a little bit this collectivist lifestyle rather than the individualist. It's important to get into that sort of routine, do you think? It's, community is just so crucial, and I think a lot of really deep human needs are met within a church situation. Even the fact that we get to sing together, like community singing is so good for people. And uh, if you're not in a church, where, where do you get that unless you go and join a local choir or something? Um, community singing and um, worship, we're, we're made for worship. So the fact that you get the opportunity to worship regularly with other, with other people that are like-minded. So that is such a deep need that's met in people when they're part of that. And... Um, you know we're all we're all um, imperfect, and so we have to learn how to accept each other. And we're all there. We we sort of we're in a family together. Really, it's like a family. And uh, it's um and 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 I'm finding more and more myself. I'm really needing my Christian um, friends because it's getting you know more and harder and harder. Really, in a lot of ways. Um, and there's a, a big upsurge uh, against Christianity that's quite um, strong and. Um, quite surprising in its um, vehemence and its hatred of Christianity that we haven't experienced in the past. And so um, that Christian fellowship, and then just the word fellowship, you don't really get fellowship anywhere outside of um, Christians together where, where, where we fellowship on that other level. It's different to friendship. It's different to anything else. It's a very special, unique thing. It's like a mechanistic level where uh, if you leave God out of the picture and there's no spirituality to it, you're missing out on a whole dimension of your life. Yes. And uh, it's like you say, when you're in those times of uh, communal singing in church, uh, you're all singing on 
of one accord. Yes. And uh, and there is something special about the presence of God in all of that. And, yes. and you're missing it if you're not actually a part of the community, mm-hmm. uh, which is the community of faith. Let's come back to your book, because I feel like we might have gone off on some tangents here. Um, across in time, yes. uh, the sorts of things we're talking about today, have you been, uh, you know, as you reflect on the things we've been talking about, do these sorts of things come through in the way that you've been writing about your fictional families? Uh, it was very helpful to me um, when Clute, my son, um, read through the book for me. I, I was so nervous about the book because it's such a lonely thing to do. You're sitting there typing away and you're thinking, this might be complete crap. I don't know what I'm doing here sort of thing, just trying to. But it was something that I had to birth. I had to do it sort of thing. And um, so Clute was very brave and he read the book through. And he, point, he pointed out a couple of things that were really crucial. And he said, so with this particular character, I knew what the character would do in a certain situation and I had her react in that situation. But Clute said, you haven't actually given me enough lead up in the character for me to follow why she would make that decision. And um, that was really helpful. I, I sort of went back and I made sure that in the development of the characters, I included enough about the character for the reader to be able to follow where that character's going and to understand why the character makes the decision they do at a certain point. So that was very cr- crucial in writing the book um, to, for the, hopefully the reader to be able to follow that particular person's journey and, and understand why they've, they've gone the way they've gone and the, and the decisions and choices they've made. Our special guest this hour is Yvonne Grice. We've been talking about her book called Across in Time, and it's been a very different conversation, I might say, and I might add a refreshing conversation to Yvonne. And, and yeah. it's not all it's not all been fun and games in the conversation. In fact, you've been reflecting on the goodies and the baddies, and that's a really, really great way to talk about some of the big issues that we sometimes face. Darkness in our life, darkness in our family, and yet a certain optimism as we look forward to a future, if we can get things right, that will set up the opportunity for our families to capture our values. As you reflect on those dark times in generations gone by and what you've written about in your story and based on your own life story, how do you think of what we look forward to into the future? I remember when I was going through a particularly traumatic time, um, one of my daughters, Gretchen, said, I believe that faith is believing God is good. And I think that's that's a huge, it's, it sounds very simple, but that's very deep. God is good. God does love us. And he has our best in, best intentions at heart. And he is planning for us a future and a hope. And in the, in the midst of the darkest times, and um, I've been through some very, um, difficult, dark times in my lifetime. Um, I've held on to the fact that God is good, that God loves me, and that He is working things together for good. And um, sometimes it's, things are so black that you can't even see anything, and you're literally just taking another step and another step. But um, knowing that God is there with you, even if you can't feel Him, even if uh, there's no concept of it in your life, God is good and he doesn't change and he does, there isn't, there does come an end to it and he does bring you through. And your book, Across in Time, and without giving away what happens in the end, because I don't know, but there is a revolution that takes place 
in your book. Mm. And revival is the result of that. There is an optimism as those who are coming to a place where God becomes central to the way that their values are shaped. There is a good ending. Yes, I think the, the idea was God can sometimes take three generations to create a prophet or to create a, an amazing person of God. And it doesn't just happen overnight. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.